There we go. That's awesome. Well, like Pastor said, this is something that's been on my heart for at least about a month. I've been researching and, and searching scriptures, praying about it so much. And, and this is what I feel like God's placed in my heart to share with you all today. And I'll tell you this, it's something that's kicked me in, in the behind. And uh, it's something that I, I've battled with all my life. And, and, and it really is an epic battle, this, this idea of pride versus humility. Pride being that that thing that our flesh just desires, just to bring attention to ourselves, and yet our spirits desire to walk with God in, in true humility and, and humbly before Him. And if you think about it, the source of sin began with pride. You look at Lucifer, he was the most beautiful angel there was in heaven. But he allowed that pride in his heart to raise himself up. He exalted himself and wanted to be above God. And that was met with God's resistance, and then came the fall. And then you look at the start of creation with Adam and Eve. Lucifer came again in the form of a serpent. And what did he do? He talked to to Eve and said, Hey, God said you'll die. You're not going to really die if you eat that fruit. You don't have to worry about it. And then the next thing he did was he started to stroke her ego and said, You know what? God is just saying... Don't eat that fruit because he knows that if you eat that fruit, you're going to become like him. You're going to become like God, and you're going to gain wisdom and know what's, what's right and what's wrong. So it was that pride in Eve's heart that made her go after that fruit. And she said, that fruit looks good to me, and I desire that wisdom. I want to be like God. And she went ahead and proceeded and ate that fruit. So sin began because of pride and Pride is the thing that invites sin into our lives, the worldliness, and our flesh just to take over our lives. Before we kind of get started, but let me just ask you all this question. How many of you have at least an ounce of pride in your hearts today? Okay, about 85% are humble enough to admit that. 15% are too prideful to say it. And that's okay. You know, maybe, maybe you just don't necessarily understand the concepts of each of these, so let's... Let's take a look at the meanings of pride and humility. So pride, and I, I try to model this a little bit after what pastor does, so it's familiar to you. I can't pronounce these words, but pride in Greek is gava or something similar to that. And that means loftiness of oneself, arrogance, and conceit. And then I looked at what proud means. Again, who knows how, how to pronounce it? Hyperethanos, that sounds good enough. That means showing oneself above others, overtopping, noticeably above others, arrogant with a conceited estimate of one's means or merits or haughty. And you notice that word arrogant in there. Pride and arrogance to me go hand in hand. Not haughtiness, all of that is all derived from pride. So I looked up what arrogance means. That word looks a little bit more familiar. Goodell, from, from the Greek. It means greatness in terms of size. And I really like this uh, part of the definition. Of false greatness or bravado of one's heart. So it's that conceited nature, that, the idea that I'm, I'm better than what I really am. So how do, we, how do we determine if we do actually have pride in our hearts? Sometimes it's hard to, hard to tell, but it's likely that we do because I, I think I might have said this earlier, our flesh will default to pride. If we do nothing else, if we don't combat pride in our lives, we're going to naturally be prideful. It, it's just, that's what the way our flesh is. So 
here are some questions you can ask yourself to kind of determine maybe I have a little bit of pride in my heart. Do I look for attention or desire to be the center of attention? If yes, then there's an indication you, you might have pride in your heart. Do I share my successes with people looking for someone to validate how good I've, I've done? Here's another one. When someone contradicts my opinion, do I immediately try to counter what they're saying and try to win the argument? Maybe a sense of pride or arrogance there. Am I easily offended? That when you're easily offended typically means that you, you feel like you're right and, and what they're saying is wrong. Here's another one. Do I talk down about myself, hoping someone will empathize with me or tell me how good I really am? Now, this is an example of false humility or what I would call pride in disguise, but it's still pride. Do I compare myself with others in order to justify the life I live? Do I take pride in the things I've done at work, at home, or other places? Do I say, I can do it myself, I don't need anybody else's help, I'm self-sufficient? Do I plan out my life and my family's lives without regard to what God desires? Here's what Montgomery says about pride and arrogance. Arrogance is the spirit of Moab in Isaiah 16.6. Superiority blended with self-sufficiency. One who stubbornly backs his own judgment, trusts his own responses, depends on his own resources, and puts his own policies to work. So there you see again that self-sufficiency. You're trusting yourself. You're, you're, you're putting your own plans into play. Those are all indications that maybe we have a little bit of pride in our lives. Now let's take a look at what humble means. This is the Greek work something, tapaneo. And it means low, not high. And that's figuratively of one's attitude or social position. Now literally it means to level, to cause something to be lower or to make low, to bow down. That's the idea of humility. C.S. Lewis says it this way, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. I'm thinking about that for a little bit. Now, hum- true humility is something that we really only attain through the practice of denying ourselves. And it's when we put into, into perspective how low we are compared to our Father God. God is the standard. If we try to compare ourselves to other people, we're always going to find somebody that we feel like we're better than. And that's going to lend itself to pride once again. But if we compare ourselves to God, the most holy, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, we have nothing but to be in the lowest position possible. We cannot have true humility apart from God. Let's take a look at kind of what the worldview is of pride. It's something to aspire to. It's really encouraged. We give awards, accolades. We have ceremonies to exalt people. The world says, get ahead. Have pride in your accomplishments, in your race, ethnicity. Have pride in your family. Have pride in yourself. Be self-sufficient. Just do it. The world says, what's in it for me? I deserve this. These are all ideas of pride in, in one's heart, but the way the world looks at it. They honor pride. Whereas for humility, the world really just shuns humility. They think of those humble as being bored, boring, unpopular, not memorable. 
There's no real sense of authority to them. There's a lack of confidence in those who are humble. To the world, humility means to accept everyone and every worldview in harmony, whether you, whether you believe in it or not. And to the world, the lowly are trampled on, especially by the prideful and arrogant. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about these two topics as well. The Bible says that the proud are despised and hated by God. The proud are opposed by God. He literally will set an army against those who are prideful. He will unwillingly bring the proud to humility. The Bible also says that we really have nothing to boast about. We are merely stewards of God's grace. Anything good, good we have, it comes from the Father. So what are we boasting about? The Bible also says that pride is deceitful. And you know, Pastor, in the past couple of sermons said, our hearts are deceitful above all else. And pride in our hearts, in our hearts is, is a, a big part of that. It clouds our, our judgment from seeing right perspective because as we exalt ourselves, we are no longer in right standing with the God of the universe and our judgment is completely skewed. How about with humility? And I'll mention this. Pride in the King James is mentioned 49 times. And that's just the word pride. That's not the other derivations like the arrogance and haughtiness. And there's plenty of stories of pride where it doesn't mention the word pride itself. So there's plenty of times where pride is mentioned. Humility is mentioned 56 times in the King James Version. And again, many other derivations of humility like lowliness, um, and a lot of stories of, of humble individuals in, in the Word of God. So the Bible says about humility, the humble are given God's grace. We can't receive God's grace without being humble before Him. The humble are honored by God. And we'll take a look at scriptures to su support this uh, in the next few slides. Humility is modeled by Jesus. You want to get an example of what humility is played out like in, in one's life? We can look at Jesus as our model. God requires humility. He says it time and again in the Word. Clothe yourself with humility. Seek out humility. And lastly, the humble are truly confident in God. It's those individuals where they will do anything to do the will of God. They won't let anything stand in their way. Again, we'll look at some examples uh, in the Bible of those individuals that exhibit humility and how they really were even more confident than a lot of people that are, are prideful. So pride, those, the proud are despised and hated by God. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, and that's a reference to pride. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. And Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Abomination. I think that's even stronger than hate. Abomination. He'll have nothing to do with the proud. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Pretty, pretty strong passages here. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, 
Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but not denying its power. Avoid such people. That last little line is kind of a hint at that false humility where it, it appears like humility on the outside, but God really looks at the heart. That's, that's what he's judging. He's not judging what we look like out here. Pride is opposed by God. First Peter 5.5, 5, the second half says, For God opposes the proud. Again in James 4.6, the second half, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Isaiah 25.11, But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands. Isaiah 28.3, The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim will be trodden underfoot. And again, Psalm 119.21, and this is talking about God. You rebuke the arrogant who are accursed, those who stray from your command. And there's another indicator. If we're not following the commands of God, it's, we have pride in our hearts because we're saying we know a better way than to follow what he's asking us to do. Pride is unwillingly brought to humility. Matthew twenty three twelve says, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Again in Luke eighteen fourteen. That second part, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We can, we can exalt ourselves all we want in this world. We can set ourselves up high, and to the world we maybe look good, and maybe we, we build our kingdoms here on earth. But God's going to bring us low, because that's, that's a place that He desires for us, because He knows that we only really have true sustenance in Him. When we have pride in our hearts, it, it prevents us from having that intimate relationship with Him. Proverbs 29.23, Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Proverbs 11.2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And I'm sorry I didn't reference this last one. Then Proverbs as well. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. So like I said, we get pride in our hearts, we start to exalt ourselves, God's going to bring us low because that's the right place in comparison to who he is. Giving you lots of scriptures today, because I think we'll just let the word speak it forward in, in its own power. <clears throat> pride, we have nothing to boast about. We should not have pride in our hearts, because we really have nothing to boast about. All, the go- all good things come from the Father. We're merely just stewards of his, of his grace. First Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks, speak as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We have nothing of ourselves. It's all given to us. We are just stewarding the gifts and talents that God gives us. And everything is intended for us to give God glory back to Himself. Never to give ourselves glory. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No one may boast. It's all from Him. 
1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 19. Let no one be deceived. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Pride is deceitful. Jeremiah 49, 16. The terror you inspire and the pride of your heart have deceived you. You live up high, basically it says. Though you build your nest high, God will bring you low. I'm going to skip and come back. Obadiah says the same thing. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Daniel 5.20 says, But when his, and this is referring to King Nebuchadnezzar, when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. Colossians 2.18 Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions about their unspiritual mind. And 1 John 2, 15-17, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the, I'm sorry, the, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The world constantly gives us messages of, like I said before, be proud of who you are. Do things for yourself. You, you can do it on your own. But all these things that we chase after in a worldly sense, those things are going to pass away. They're deceitful. We, we may think we're grasping onto something that's going to last, but in the end, it's going to all wither away. I'm hoping you're seeing a theme with pride here. There's that 48 references or so. Never a positive reference in the Bible about pride. God loathes pride in us. Let's take a look at humility and what, what the Bible says about humility. Those who are humble are given God's grace. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and see my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. I'm going to kind of skip a couple of these, um, just in light of time. So if you want to take a snapshot with your phone real quick. Um, The humble are honored by God. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humility comes before honor. Tons of scriptures that talk to that. And it's very true. You look at the life of Jesus. He was the utter, utterly humble person on earth. He did nothing apart from what God wanted him to do. You can't get to a deeper level of humility than, than Christ. And what happened when Christ died and rose again? He was raised up to the highest place of honor. So the most humble was raised to the highest place. That's, that's the economy of God. And Pastor talked about you know, the, the unbalanced scales. Unbalanced because of, of wrong perspective. When you have the scales of God that are just, the, this, is the, this is what the weight of humility. More humble equals higher honor in, in his economy. I talked about Jesus modeling humility. Philippians 2.18 says, And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient 
to death, even death on a cross. 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So again, it's that place where we humble ourselves to the point where we are a living sacrifice. Our wills are not our own any longer. We're doing the will of God solely. God requires humility of us. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Zephaniah 2.3, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. We talked about some examples of, of the Bible who were really confident in God. Moses was described as the most humble man on earth. Of course, he authored that himself, but it must be true, it's in the Bible. <clears throat> Yet he stood up to Pharaoh. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt through God's authority, through his might and wonders. David, as a young shepherd, humble, just taking care of the sheep, yet he smote the nine-foot Philistine warrior that all of Israel's army cowered to. Paul considered any of his gains as loss. He didn't think of anything that, he, that other people looked up to him about as anything good apart from Christ. And yet he preached the gospel of Jesus in authority. And he authored... So, I think it's about two-thirds of the New Testament. And then you have Stephen, humble man who came before the Sanhedrin in a very hostile environment, and with wisdom and authority, he proclaimed the Word of God before them. And we talked about Jesus. He lived that utterly humble, humble life, but he walked in the authority of the Father. He spoke truth boldly, and he didn't let anything keep him from doing the will of his Father. Contrary to what we saw in the Bible about pride, humility is looked at the opposite way. It is a place of honor. It's a place where we have access to God, His grace, the things uh, that God wants to place in our lives. Let's kind of take a look at how that might play out uh, just practically. This is a, just a little diagram where the blue side indicates me, which is each one of us. And the yellow is, uh, indicates God. That me side is that self-seeking, unyielding, that proud individual. That person that goes about life building their own kingdoms. They become proud of, of what they've done and, and what, they're, what they're doing in their lives. Maybe proud of their homes, of their cars, the things that they've collected. Maybe of their position in their company. It's that, that proud, self-seeking individual. And that dotted line is kind of an indication of what we're seeking. So the farther left you get on that dotted line is seeking self more. The farther right you get is seeking God more. So on the other side, we have that humble, those humble individuals where they're God-seeking. They're surrendered before Him. They're humble. And you can see they're at the lowest position. The self-seeking individual is at that high position. 
What's neat, though, is as we humble ourselves, as we seek God, and we begin to place Him at that high place in our lives where He deserves, that gives us access to godliness. That gives us access to His grace, His holiness. We are sustained in Him. That's where God can pour out His righteousness upon us. His fruits of the Spirit are derived from that. He gives us His favor. Our spirits become alive as we humble ourselves and surrender to God. We gain godly wisdom. And all of this is meant to empower us to, to fulfill His will for our lives. Now on the other side, as we begin and continue to seek ourselves, that lends itself to worldliness seeping into our hearts. That deceit from that pride. It's a debt to our spirits and our flesh comes alive. It results in God's opposition against us because He, again, He wants to keep us at bay because He wants nothing to do with that pride. We receive a temporary crown. Like I said, we can build the kingdoms. We can be a king of, king of our own lives. But it's really just a temporary thing while we're here on earth. It creates a separation from God. And it allows sin to increase in our lives. And it... I kind of thought about this and it kind of references it in Hebrews as well. As we continue to sin as Christians, knowingly sin against uh, God's commands, it's like we're trampling the cross. It's like we're nailing Him to the cross over and over again as we continue to sin. Put another way, and some of you might like a little uh, formula here. It's kind of how my brain works. How this goes is, as pride increases, God and godliness in our lives decrease. Grace in our lives decreases, but sin and the opposition of God increases. As humility increases in our lives, God and godliness in our lives increase. The grace of God increases, which results in less sin and, and opposition of God. Now, I talked about humility versus false humility. I want to just kind of further define what true humility is. True humility results in less of us and more of God. It's that place where we present ourselves prostrate, which means we're laid to the ground before our God, where our whole being is exposed to His light, where every ounce of our being is laid bare before Him, and from which He can begin, continue, and complete the sanctification and transformation of ourselves, where we become like Christ in how we live our lives for the Father. True humility results in action being taken in obedience and sacrifice to do God's will for each of us. True humility results in godliness because it creates that fertile soil in our hearts where God can plant His fruits of the Spirit in us. It sprouts forth and produces fruit in us. True humility results in God's love pouring forth in and through us. True humility results in the grace of God being poured out into our lives, resulting in less sin and holiness, wherein our spirits come alive and worship to our God, where He is exalted above all things, and our flesh dies and has no power in our lives. True humility seeks no glory for self. It does not think of self above the will of God. True humility stewards the gifts God gives us to give Him glory. It puts all things into perspective. 
It reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. He alone is almighty, holy, loving, all-powerful. He's the maker of all things. He sets the course for our lives, using us for His kingdom, and He prepares us for an eternity with Him. One thing that really hit me as I've been studying the pride and humility is, and I've, I kind of mentioned this before, but I want to make it very explicit here. The grace of God was birthed out of utter humility through Christ Jesus, who humbled himself before the Father. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And even when he felt he was, it was too much to bear, to the point where he sweated blood because of the stress on his physical being, yet he proceeded forward by saying, Not my will, but yours, Father. He endured extreme pain, ridicule, torture, during his last day on earth. But he suffered, suffered even worse during the three days he spent in hell as he was apart from the love of the Father and he was bearing the total weight and payment of the sins committed by each person that ever was and that ever will be. Could you imagine the anguish he must have gone through? Grace was derived from the humility of our Savior. But that same great Grace demands humility from each one of us that desires it. So if you desire the things of God in your life, humble yourself before Him. If you desire the grace of God, humble yourself, surrender, and let Him fill you. True humility opens access to all things godly. But again, that godliness He gives is not meant to bring glory to ourselves. It's meant to glorify Him only. God's eyes look to and fro upon the earth for those that would humble themselves before Him. In true humility, those that would accept the gift of grace bought through the blood of the Lamb. He searches for those that would lay down their crowns and the kingdoms they built in life in exchange for a life of humility and sacrifice for Him. God is looking for those that would give up their wills for His. Would you all come to Him? Lay yourself bare before the throne. Surrender your crowns. Allow yourself to worship Him. As we worship Him uh, during this last song, I just pray that you would just spend time with Him. Spend time with your Savior. Let Him search out your heart and surrender Him this day.
Father, we just pray that you would take that rightful place in our lives, Lord, that you would be exalted in us, God, and that you would make us low before you, Father. Help us to empty ourselves before you, Lord, so that you can fill us up with the things of you. Empower us, Father God, to live out this life, to honor you, Lord, to do your will before you, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you have created us. We are your workmanship to do good works, Lord. Guide us in what that is, Lord, and strengthen us to fulfill that. Lord, we just honor you. We give you praise, Lord. Change us this day, Lord, and let us walk in humility. Let us put at bay that pride that tries to creep up in our lives, God, and just go forward this week, just living a life that would honor you, that would be worthy of the cross of Christ. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name.